You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Come on, who pisses you off? Well, uh, I guess it isn't customers in particular. Maybe just a group of customers. Well, let's hear it. Well, the milkmaids. The milkmaids? The women that go through every gallon of milk looking for that later date, as if somewhere beyond all the other gallons is a container of milk that won't go bad for like a decade. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your host of asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at movies and a franchise one film at a time. And we're starting a, a new round of films to look at over at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. We had a uh, a poll where people, you know, got to choose what franchise we covered next. And the winner, by an overwhelming majority of votes, was uh, the Kevin Smith View Universe films. And it's possibly the loosest uh, example of a franchise that we've covered. But one thing all the films have in common, besides being written and directed by Kevin Smith, is they all feature the characters of Jay and Silent Bob. So we're going to take a look at the U.S. universe here in the sequel cast. In this episode, we're going to see where it all began with Clerks, released in 1994. Written and directed by Kevin Smith, with cinematography by David Klein, starring, Don, starring Brian O'Halloran as Dante Hicks, Jeff Anderson as Randall, Veronica Lauren as Marilyn Gaglotti, Jason Mewes as Jay, and Kevin Smith as Silent Bob. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is Thrasher. Hello, everybody. Recording on a snazzy new uh, headset, so should be better audio quality. It's not just tech, it's Logitech. Very good. Um, you can check out our website, of course, at sequelcast.com, and we get links to sponsors such as uh, Amazon and Stitcher over there. And, you know, while you're there, you might want to go on iTunes, look up SequelCast, and uh, leave us some reviews on there. And you can check out the other SequelCast shows, such as Sequel Commentary and SequelCast Special. All right, so, I mean, uh, yeah, Clerks in 94 is when this came out, so almost 20 years ago. Isn't that hard to believe? No, not no. at all. Um, I mean, it's time progresses generally in the direction of the greatest entropy, so, I mean, this this film had to have been made at some point in the past, and it just so happened that that point was 1994. Indeed. And... Uh, you know, people credit Clerks with being one of the films that sort of started the uh, indie film movement of the 1990s, and that this was a film that Kevin Smith financed himself on credit cards and by selling his comic book uh, collection and stuff. And it got picked up at uh, at Sundance. So, pretty cool stuff. Now, when did you first see Clerks? Uh, the first time I actually saw Clerks was in uh, 2000, actually, in my uh, uh, my uh, freshman year out of Savannah College of Art and Design. I had seen, uh, up, at, up until that point, the only uh, full Kevin Smith movie I had ever seen was Dogma, which I really, 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 really liked. Hmm. Uh, as it turns out, Kevin Smith, at the time we were students was incredibly popular. Uh, his, his films were incredibly popular on the uh, SCAD campus. And I was one of the few people who had never seen Clerks or most of his other movies. And interestingly enough, no one ever said, oh, you've got to see Chasing Amy. They all said, you've got to see Clerks. So uh, one night, myself and uh, three friends, none of which I'm on speaking terms with anymore, not because of this movie, but because of uh, Betrayal Most Foul, uh, we 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 stayed up and we watched an old uh, VHS copy of Clerks, 
And that was the first. That was the uh, the first time. That's actually the first and last time I saw it. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through since then. So that means you haven't seen it since uh, probably a decade. Oh, uh, yeah. First saw it. See, for me, I saw it way before then. I saw it. So this came out in '94. I probably saw it like in '96 or '97. I had uh, rented it from the video store and watched it. Just because it was um, when I first was on the internet in the mid '90s. Clerks is something people would constantly bring up. Oh, you got to see Clerks. You got to see Clerks. And it's uh, it was just one of the things at the time. I I just thought it it was funny, and now I think it's funny. But it is one of those movies. I think I've seen more than I realized because I could quote a lot of it. I could tell when each scene was happening, when each line of dialogue was going to be there. And uh, I did have the chance to watch uh, Clerks uh, when I was in college with some friends that had not seen it. And uh, their reaction was pretty interesting. They thought it was pretty funny, but I made a mistake because I showed a different cut of the film from what uh, some of my friends were used to. And that got them very upset, and we'll get into that later. But uh, good old clerks. I mean, you know, talk about uh, an independent movie. Like, there's no one that you could even call a movie star that was in this thing. No, I mean it was it was built built from the bottom up. I guess I guess that's the thing of, of all the things I can say about Clerks. The the best thing I can say is that it's 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 made by some really dedicated people who are who are going to make a goddamn movie, and this is the movie they made. And I really really uh, admire the the ambition and drive that went into this film. Right, when I was watching it, it made me wonder if um, Clerks had ever been done as a stage play or something like that, just simply because there's so few locations, and that's part of the nature of it being a very low-budget independent comedy. It, if you did a stage version of this and took it to Dragon Con, you would clean up. I bet you would. I think uh, you'd have people shouting back at the screen and stuff. I mean, this movie is just one of those that is endlessly quotable for, for various reasons, and but, I mean, the most of it is set either at the convenience store called uh, Quick Stop, where uh, Dante works, or at the a little bit at the video store where Randall works. You get Dante's bedroom in the very beginning. You get a little bit of them in a car and outside playing hockey or people smoking outside the convenience store. And that's it. Not a lot of locations, not a terribly big amount of characters. It's not even really a plot-driven film. It's just uh, a day in the life of uh, a guy that works at his convenience store and his friend who bums around all the time because he doesn't want to work at his video store he works at. <laughs> now, uh, you've worked retail, haven't you, Thrasher? Uh, I've worked I've worked retail. Uh, I also have worked in the, uh, the food service industry. And uh, I have as well. And uh, did you have any memories of your employment history just watching clerks about frustration with customers or... The boredom. No, that, that is one thing that this movie does does get right of just how frustrating these jobs are, uh, b- because of the, the the customers you you have to deal with. I mean, you you have a job and you want to do it, and it does feel like everyone you run into, from management down to customers, just seems to want to do nothing but prevent you from doing your job, and it is it is endlessly frustrating. <laughs> You know, I, I think, I and I don't think most people realize how 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 stressful and frankly not worth it these menial jobs are. I mean, no one gets paid enough to deal with the the, the stress and annoyance of of running a convenience store, a video store, a store that sells uh, new and used video games, anything like that. And the thing that's most insulting of all is that management expects you to be passionate about these kind of jobs. If you are passionate about this kind of job, you are mentally damaged. <laughs> I mean, the thing I, I recall... You, you have this job so that you can get a better job. Right. It's a means to an end for a lot of people. Or even better yet, a career. I think... That, that is the, the one thing my experiences in retail really did tell me, teach me the difference between a job and a career. Yep. And... Uh... And it, when, when I worked at, at retail and I worked at um, video rental stores and stores that sold movies and things like that, and movie theaters and all those things for the most part, is uh, I really get in a sense of how just uninformed a lot of the customers are. 
not that they're stupid necessarily, but that a lot of people are just looking to enjoy a really simple movie with a few explosions with their favorite movie star, and that's it. You offer anything challenging, and they, they shut down. I uh, I remember I worked oh. at a video store when that Nicolas Cage uh, movie adaptation came out, which I really enjoyed at the time. Oh, yeah. And I was recommending that to customers, and one of them rented it. And I saw him, you know, then the later in the week, and he dropped his movie off, and he said, "You know, Matt, uh, watching this movie made me feel stupid and angry, <laughs> and I'll never forget <laughs> that." And, and so he didn't try to improve himself and be less stupid. He just decided to let you know, right? As if you can change the content of the film to make it more splody. Yeah, it wasn't splody enough for him, I guess. But uh, you know, enough about reminiscing about working at retail. We're talking. Oh, we could do a whole special episode. We about could, that. but we're not. We're talking about clerks, and we well, we should go through <laughs> some of the characters first. I think you have Dante Hicks, oh, played right. by Brian O'Halloran, and uh, he has a very whiny, nasally voice. And he's, I guess, he's the main character of the movie. I, I, you wouldn't call him a hero, but he, he's not even supposed to be there at work. I'm not even supposed to be here today, as he keeps on saying in the film, because he's covering for somebody that's sick. Yeah, that's the other shitty part about these jobs. The, the the handful of responsible people are always doing the work of two irresponsible people. Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. And you feel for for Dante, but, um, you know, he does have a uh, a girlfriend, uh, Marilyn Gaglotti, uh, who's played by Veronica, Veronica Lauren in the film. And... Uh, what do you think about that relationship in the film? Because there's kind of two women in the film, and she's one of them. They they don't seem to have a good they, they don't have a good relationship. It's okay. I mean, she apparently, you know, sort of cares enough about him to bring him lasagna when he's at work, and they have a, a cute scene where she paint he paints uh, her uh, nails black, the shoe polish and stuff, and. Uh, yeah, and they get into the, the infamous argument about uh, sexual histories and all these things. That it's a it's a path. Once you go down that path, you almost wish you had never asked those questions. Sometimes, <laughs> or you should just get them all out of the way in the beginning. Yeah, there there's certain there's certain questions that can be dangerous to ask. And I mean the and so I mean the big punchline with the joke in Clerks with that scene we're talking about is they're asking. She said, what, like, she's only had sex with, what is it, like, three guys or something, and he's one of them. But she's, uh, given blowjobs to, uh... To many, 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 many other people. 37, I think? It, it's, it's a comically, it's a comical number, whatever the number was. Indeed. 37, Yep. 37 dicks. You, you found that on the, uh, the the Kevin Smith trivia page? I did. And then when I Googled clerk's blowjob scene just to get the... I, I wish I hadn't because there's all these weird images that are popping up. <laughs> so that'll teach me to use Google during the show. Uh, so there's a relationship he has with Marilyn. And then there's the other girl, uh, Caitlin Bree. Played by Lisa Spoonhauer, who was kind of a, a, a girl that Dante loved, uh, I think, back in high school or something. And then she's supposed to be getting married, but she comes and surprises him and says, oh, it's something she doesn't care about anyway. And she meets a peculiar fate. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think of like, the, with the structure of the movie? It's like there's not really a plot, but then certain scenes pay off. Well, that's that's the one thing that struck me uh, the, the when I when I when I saw this is that I don't think that Clerks works as a movie. It's it's very funny. It's got a lot going on, but the scenes are so isolated in and of themselves. I would much rather watch this as like a web series made up of five minute episodes. You could break this film down into its component parts, and I think at, le- at least the way I like. The way I would watch something like this, I would rather see. I would rather see sketches that take place in this universe rather than see all this in one go. Well, and the movie is almost split up that way with all the damn title cards everywhere. Remember, it has like title cards in between almost every scene, 
where it's just a single yeah, word yeah. like lamentation or catharsis. <coughs> Just, just a little. Uh, I, I always assumed that that was kind of like a, a winking nod to pretentious filmmaking. I found it pretentious just watching it. Like I don't. That's not a touch of the film I, I like that much. But uh, to give an example of a scene where they set up and pay something off, you have an old man coming in wanting to use the bathroom, and he he comes out and complains. Says, "Oh, the toilet paper is not good enough. Can he use one of the nicer rolls off the the shelf?" And uh, regrettably, Dante lets him do that. And then he comes out asking, "Oh, I want to." a girly magazine to look at while I'm in there in case I'm in there a long time. Oh, and then you don't Lord. see this character for a while. And then, uh, you know, Caitlin, Dante's ex-girlfriend, comes in and they talk for a bit. And then Dante goes home to get freshened up because he's going to cheat on Veronica with Caitlin and go on a little date. And uh, when he comes back, she's in the bathroom. She comes out. She looks all hot and bothered. And she's like, oh, it's so sexy, sexy Dante. And she thinks she had sex with Dante in the bathroom while Dante wasn't even in the store. Instead, she had sex with the, uh, I guess, still erect penis of an old of the old man who went in the back with the girly magazine who had died of a heart attack while masturbating. Which makes me wonder, how bad is the lighting in that bathroom? I don't know. And you would think that you would expect to feel some breathing from the other person or some sort of noise or, I don't know, at least in my experience, I don't think there's ever been a, a, a lovemaking session that is entirely quiet yeah there's at least some crying soft crying <laughs> <laughs> like a gentle rain like a, yeah like a gentle rain <laughs> on a spring morn <laughs> but yeah it's 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 the it's the kind of thing that could only really work off camera because if you were in that scene there's you'd be there's no way she doesn't know that she's fucking a corpse that isn't dante and it's nice that it's off camera because when it's, they, you know, find out what happens and the cops kind of come and take her away. She's just shocked. The expression on her face is perfect. And, uh... So we've talked about some of the romantic leads in the film, and aside from Dante, you also have his best friend, Randall, played by Jeff Anderson. And, um... Then, you know, the part of Randall is a part that Kevin Smith, uh, the director, wanted to play originally in Clerks. I've heard that. Uh, and he says, that's why I gave Randall all the best lines. But I didn't do it because it was my first film, and I didn't want to be on camera all the time if I'm also directing it and blocking the shots and everything, which I, I think makes sense. So instead, Kevin Smith gave him the part of J Silent Bob. But Randall, I think, is just really funny, and he's annoying, and he's less whiny. He has... Well, the thing about Randall is that he he is an unrestrained id. He's a complete asshole, but he's the character that treats the annoying and stupid customers the way we all believe they deserve to be treated. And which many of them do deserve to be treated. I mean, he and for whatever reason he uh, he uh he gets away with it. I guess like the person who owns the video store just doesn't care. But he's always fucking with customers both his and Dante and and I it's there's a bit of catharsis in those scenes. He says what Dante really wants to say. Yeah, they, you know they're they're like they're like the knight and the squire and the seventh seal. They're both they're both two halves of, com of a complete personality. And that's the highest brow reference that's ever been on the sequel cast, I think. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, get... Perhaps I can make a reference to Enchaine de Lune later. Ooh, you just did. You said the name. That counts as a reference. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that's how all references work? You just said the title of the film. And uh, so then, then we went out for pizza. Ghostbusters! Yeah, that would save a lot of time. That would mean an episode of Family Guy would be two minutes long. If that. And that would be mostly the opening and closing yep. credits. Um, so Jane and Silent Bob are the most well-known characters. And in fact, they're the... I wouldn't say the core, but if you're going to call these movies a franchise that we're covering, the Buisk universe, you only can because Jane and Silent Bob are in all the movies. Yeah, they they are the R two D two and C three PO of of the Viewisk universe. They're the two ancillary characters that nevertheless bind all the films together into a right. Role. Silent Bob, played by Kevin Smith, also the writer and director, and uh, Jay, played by Jason Mewes. And uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were friends uh, growing up in real life. So, and uh, the character of Jay and Silent Bob, they're not as big in this movie as in some of the later Viewisk universe movies. Oh, yeah. But you still get... Uh, the character of Jay is just so weird. I don't... 
He does crazy raps. He's dancing all over the place. Well, no, they're not. He, I don't think it's, it's it's weird. He's he's a stoner that thinks he's very very talented. Yeah. And I and I don't know about you, but I've met people like that. I've met I've met people like that that think that they are creative geniuses, but the only thing vaguely interesting about them are the drugs they take. And yet, the way uh, Jay and Silent Bob Bob are as stoners, it's certainly different than like Cheech and Chon. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, they, they're they're a '90s kind of, of stoner. They're not the the classic uh, classic '60s '70s. Dave's story. not here, man. Yeah, I mean. Classic bit. What do you think makes them so '90s as stoner characters? Just they're just well, they're just, too well, cool for well, too cool for school. Oh hell no! It's it's for, first well you got you got the the somewhat grunge look. Second, that they don't seem to enjoy that they're that they're <laughs> that they're smoking a lot of pot. They're they're almost they're almost like there there's an a, they're they're trying to sort of affect anger and edge when there really there doesn't need to be such a mm. thing. So and that was that was something that was something that I at least that I noticed growing up with uh you know pe- people who uh people I knew who were doing a lot of uh, pot the 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 thing was to to sort of these affectations that there was some sort of real hard edge to to you smoking pot not to just not just because it feels good you know there you have to Act like you're being tough and rebellious and all these other things. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I, uh, yeah, I think when you go back and watch this uh, original film, Clerks, it's kind of surprising that James Allen Bob, you know, later became so big that they got their own movie with James Allen Bob Strikes Back. <coughs> well, I guess it's because uh, unlike. Because there's a very, there's very much a reality to all the characters in this film, but with Jane, Silent Bob, it's not so much. They they aren't people that inherit inhabit this universe. They are characters that inhabit this universe, and for better or worse, they they that makes them iconic of the viewers' universe. Right. I mean, also their their looks are certainly very iconic as well. Um. I think of Clerks, I think one of the iconic scenes from this film is uh, it's just in the middle of the day, business is really slow, they close the shop up for an hour, and they play hockey on the roof of the convenience store. That was fun. I mean, part of it is you're seeing them play uh, street hockey on a roof, which uh, visually is sort of interesting. And it looks so sloppy, it looks like a real game you're playing with your friends. You know, it's not like a big choreographed uh, hockey match on TV. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It is very real. It is. It is. It looks. It looks like some friends are fucking around on a rooftop, and they just happen to have a camera, and that's really cool. That injects a, a lot of reality into the film. That being said, the the one weakness of that of that scene, at least in my mind, is as it goes on the more I want to not be watching people playing hockey on a rooftop and the more I want to just play hockey on a rooftop. <laughs> it, it, what, what they show is too fun and too amazing, and I feel upset that that's not what I'm doing right now. It is a real fun scene. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, gee, Clerks, in some ways, is a very challenging movie to talk about. Because, as you said, Thrasher, for the most part, it's so fragmented into different scenes, and literally, with all the different title cards, it makes it even more fragmented. There's a few running plot lines, but not that many. Uh, I uh, What's one that you enjoyed, Thrasher? Uh, like or a plot, plot line or scene? or. Well, you know, something that, j- just because I love, I love mining death for humor... Mm. I I love the bit where they leave the store to go to a funeral and then fuck up the funeral. And yet that's also done off camera. But but I think that's good. I think if you actually saw them, you know, desecrating a corpse, it might be pretty disturbing. But the fact that we just we we get everybody's horrified reaction to what they're doing and then they're legging it, there's a lot of comedy there. 
you know, we, we can imagine a ver- in our heads we can imagine a version of that scene that would be really really funny as opposed to the disturbing scene we might otherwise get if it was completely filmed and that's that's I think uh, the biggest strength Clerks has as opposed to the rest of the of Kevin Smith's movies it's willing to let the it's it's willing to 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 put aspects of the story in the minds of the audience it. it I think some of the later films really do show too much, but Clerks is a film that's willing to to imply things, and even if that's just a response to it having a limited budget and they couldn't film these things, uh, in many ways it's much better to imply something than to just throw it up on the screen. Yeah, there is a nice, uh, even though you know the Kevin Smith uh, with his scripts, they're always they're usually pretty verbose. But there's an economy uh, to the dialogue in Clerks where, yes, I mean, the characters do give these big monologues. But in a way, they also feel like real rambling conversations. And maybe because it's that kind of dialogue with the lack of a plot makes uh, makes it work and makes it really something uh, pretty special, I think. Uh, it, there's what the, the scene where they're talking about what happened to the construction workers on the Death Star. Oh yeah, the, the the first of what will turn out to be many uh, Star Wars re- Star Wars discussion scenes that show up in those films. I, although, again, that's a perfect example of a scene that could just be a sketch on its own. Yeah. But and what I also like about that scene is that it's not just pointless nerd rage. You can tell Kevin Smith has thought long and hard about about this idea of construction workers on the Death Star and is trying to to mine it for entertainment. Definitely, it's a it's a logical argument about uh, very. It's, it's a reasonable yeah. discussion about a, a silly kind of fictional thing. Definitely, and uh, so I was talking earlier about how Clerks has uh, a few different cuts to it. Yeah, I do not know what cut I it, saw. It was probably the theatrical cut, and uh, they released a uh, in two thousand four a DVD release called Clerks. X because it was a 10th anniversary and they had the rough cut of the film that was 10 minutes longer and it featured the uh, the original different ending which played I think when it was at a few festivals um, initially and then when it became in theaters like mainstream they, they took it out but the original ending had a, a, a robber coming in and shooting Dante and killing him and then leaving that I think that is the ending that I saw. Really? I know I've seen hmm. that ending. Because normally the ending of the film is just uh, Randall leaves the store and says, you're closed. And then it just ends. Oh, wait, wait a minute, though. Isn't there, isn't there another ending where he gets arrested because... Where Dante gets arrested because Randall sold cigarettes to a minor? No, you're thinking of a scene earlier in the film where... Uh, he gets a he gets a ticket because uh, a girl gets cigarettes because a, a, a gum salesman is trying to convince people not to smoke cigarettes, and he's telling people to lay their cigarettes on the counter, and a little girl picks up one of the cigarettes. Oh right. So that's near the end, but it's not quite the end. But I mean, right before the end of the film, Dante and Randall get into a fight because. Randall tells Veronica that um, Dante was going to go out with Caitlin, going to cheat on him, cheat on her with uh, Caitlin. And Veronica breaks up with Dante, and they get into sort of a fist fight in the snack food section. Oh, yeah. And you have the really, this is the part that really got to me watching it this time, is the monologue saying how much Dante overcompensates for, uh, for his job. They're working retail at the store. And he, Randall says, if we're so fucking advanced, then what are we doing here? I've I've had that yeah. moment. Although, un- unlike them, I decided to act on it. Right, as we'll see when we get down the line to Clerks 2 at the end of our View Us Universe discussion in uh, quite a few weeks from now. So, um, uh, also, in addition, you, we were talking about that scene earlier about uh, them going to the funeral and then you don't you just hear about what happens for the clerks 10 dvd they uh that scene uh, at the funeral was scripted it just was never filmed 
So they did a version of it in the style of the animated Clerks series and oh, had that yeah. as a standalone scene on the uh, Clerks X uh, DVD and Blu-ray release. So, uh, Have you seen the scene? How does it play out when you can actually I see have. it? Done as you a know, it's, it's still pretty funny. It's uh, kind of kind of slapsticky. And, um, I think it just would kind of take you out of the movie just because so much of Clerks takes place at the convenience store that you really can't spend that much time away from there. And uh, I think it's funny. I think seeing it as a cartoon, is, I think it was the only way they could have done it. You couldn't really refilm it with the actors as they look now and try and intercut it with the film. Them being 10 years old. Oh, I, I would like to see them. Yeah, try. no, they could try. But uh, So it's an interesting exercise, if nothing else. I think it's a funny scene. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think I'm so used to clerks being all about the convenience store that a scene set in a funeral home or at, at a funeral, would have been uh, kind of taking me out of the movie a bit. I think. So. Hmm. Well, we've talked uh, quite a bit about Clerks, I think. <laughs> would you uh, recommend Clerks? You know, I really don't know. Because, like, gen- generally speaking, I guess I guess it's, it comes it comes with about the way I feel about Kevin Smith. I I respect Kevin Smith. I like his work, but I really I'm not a, a fan of Kevin Smith. Um, I don't I don't have the very deep connection to his work that a lot of my peers have. I I probably wouldn't recommend this film. Not that I think it's bad, just that it would never occur to me to recommend it. I would always go straight to Dogma. Oh, hi. I was just shoveling more red-hot takes into the old Hardcore Gaming 101 opinion furnace. <clears throat> Shaq Fu has some redeeming qualities. There's a lot of video game podcasts out there, but only HG 101 has the code Jones to objectively, definitively, scientifically rank the top games of all time. No, it's definitely pronounced Co Jones. HG 101's top games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenlit. Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and we are proud to be the latest addition to the Greenlit Podcast Network. If you're a superhero fan, our show will put your knowledge to the test. Did you know Tim Burton almost made a Batman musical? Or how Superman almost had a love story with his own cousin? That's disgusting. But it's true. We cover it all, mixing clips with commentaries, sketches, and impersonations. So tune in to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts. No, I think I'd recommend it, but it's... uh... I don't know, for me it's sort of a weird film to revisit just because I'm so familiar with it. I'm, I'm curious if you showed it to uh, a teenager now, it being a bit removed from when it came out, if they would still like it for the same reasons, or if you showed it to someone that had never worked a retail job. Well, yeah, well, who, well, who was the audience that really warmed up to this when it came out? Because I, 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 I was always under the impression that it was supposed to have been a big hit amongst the, the, the Gen X and grunge and counterculture crowd of the time. There's, and, there, yeah. and those were people who probably would have been in their, in their 20s when the film was initially released. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, I don't know. I think... Uh, so with that, we move on to our uh, next segment, Pitch a Sequel, in which pretend that Woo! no movies were made after Clerks and we have to pitch a sequel to it. This is going to be weird doing pitch a sequel for these later View Us Universe movies. You know, and they're <laughs> quasi-sequels, all things in the same universe, I guess you could say that much, to begin with. Yep. So, you know, pretending Clerks exist, that Clerks 2 does not exist, and we're going to each uh, pitch a sequel. Uh, I will start. I think you would... Uh, I would call it Clerks the Second Day... It would be shot in black and white, just like this, with uh, a lot of the same cast. And it would be just a really quick cash-in in a day in the life of these same characters making the same sort of jokes. And the uh, the difference, I think, is you would allow for celebrity cameos to come in as far as people that would visit really? the uh, convenience store. Not playing themselves, just playing off. other characters. I'm flashing back to all those bad 60s and 70s sitcoms where they would have, like, celebrities, oh, oh, goodness, we're the monkeys, and our car broke down. Can we borrow some motor oil? And 
Yeah, it could be something like that. But uh, that's what I think I would do. I think that, and that's not a very creative idea for pitching a sequel to Clerks, but to just remake the movie with celebrity cameos. Basically, just call it. But I like the idea of the title being Clerks: The Second Day, because that makes strikes as even more pretentious. <laughs> or or a reference to Porky's Porky's Two the next day, which oh. is the lowest brow reference we've ever had on the. I think you're right. Okay, so what's your until I make a reference to Zach? What's your pitch a sequel, Thrasher? Okay, my sequel would be uh, would be uh, Night of the Living Clerks, mm. where when Caitlin had sex with the dead guy. Oh, okay. Uh, it created it like a, a mixture of VD and rigor mortis and all these other yeah, things yeah. caused cause that dead guy to rise as a patient zero of a zombie outbreak. So it's clerks, it's still black and white, but that town and all those annoying customers are slowly being turned into zombies. And uh, this film also takes place after the ending where Dante is is supposedly killed. Oh, they find out Dante isn't killed. Uh, he was just badly wounded. He wakes up in a hospital having been in a coma from, from the, the gun for, for being shot at the end of the original clerks. And uh, he has to team up with uh, Randall, and they have to find Caitlin because since her having sex with the dead guy is what caused the zombie outbreak, they can use they can use her to make the antibodies. But to do that, they and Jay and Silent Bob have to find her and then find a scientist who can synthesize an antibody uh, uh, from from Caitlin's blood and urine. Uh, which can then make them immune and cure the other zombies and make them annoying customers again. Although when it gets to that point, they start to want, they start to realize that the zombies, even though they're killing everybody, are less annoying than their customers. Maybe they should just save themselves and let the world go fuck itself. That's pretty interesting. So you have the same sort of characters, some of the same humor, but you have the injection of a, a zombie film on top of it. Yep. For a night. It's one of the few zombie mashups that I'm willing to, to put uh, myself on. Okay. Very clever, Night of the Living Clerks. Actually, if I could have an aside, when I was going to college, every everybody's big idea was something. The musical was just taking anything that exists and doing it as a musical. And now that uh, I'm out of college, and a few years out of college, everybody's idea seems to be something with zombies. Take anything and put zombies in it. And I don't know. I just I don't I don't think it's working. Well, it's either zombies or vampires now, I guess. I mean, what, there's an independent film it's, that's doing the film festival circuit uh, called... No, no, the 90s oh. was when it was something with vampires. I guess I was thinking of, like, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but that, I mean, that, that's, that's almost charming in that that kind of thing hasn't happened in ages, but in the 90s, a lot of the hackneyed ideas were just taking something and putting vampires in it. right. But um, you know, I guess I was thinking with zombie stuff. You know, there's a new independent movie that's out in theaters called Juan of the Dead, which was filmed in Cuba. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Pretty neat. And uh, you know, George Romero, he's made a bunch of zombie movies in a franchise. Wouldn't that be fun to cover on sequel cast? Possibly. Possibly. Well, I, I say I say possibly like. Uh, it's it's one of those. I, I'm pretty burned out on zombies right now. I see. That being said, Romero has made some fantastic zombie movies, all of which I would like to watch right. again. But there has been such a flood of zombie properties out there that I've I kind of I, I, I tune a lot of that out. It also you talk about the zombies and everything. It reminds me of the Marvel zombies comic book lines they've been doing. Oh yeah, where uh, I've never read those, but the artwork I think is pretty interesting. And some of that stuff. Um, so we're going to move on to now to uh, what you're watching, in which we talk about a piece of media, whether it be book, video game, movie, uh, CD, whatever we've enjoyed over the past week. I will begin. I uh, was on uh, vacation to Las Vegas for my very first time recently in the past week. Very nice. Uh, have you ever been, Thrasher? Yes, I have been okay. once. Uh, we saw uh, Cirque du Soleil and... Uh... And a couple of other sides. This is back uh -huh. in the nineties. I would love to go yeah. again. I'm trying to finagle it so that I can go to the next uh, Gamma trade show in Las Vegas. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, oh, we yeah. saw uh, the Penn and Teller's uh, show at the Rio. Very, Very funny. Nice. Uh, 
And also, it's a legitimately a magic show, too. So you get the magic and comedy all in the same bit. And, you know, it being Penn and Teller, there's also political comedy. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, while we were there, I, I got to... Had some downtime in the in the hotel and on the airplane and stuff, and we watched a movie starring Jack Black and Shirley MacLaine called Bernie. Ooh, I've been meaning to see. Have you heard about this one? I have. It's directed yeah. by Richard Linklater, uh, who did movies like School of Rock, um, among other things. But that's the only one I can think of because Jack Black was in that as well. It's based on a true story uh, about a. Uh, a guy called Bernhardt, uh, known as Bernie, from Texas, who meets this uh, old millionaire that played uh, played in the movie by Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. Uh, the character's name is Marjorie, and uh, what happens is it, and they don't even go into the movie if it's a romantic thing or not, really. But it's uh, one day Marjorie ends up dead. And the the most interesting thing about the movie is some of it's done like a regular movie, and then some of it are like documentary sequences where they talk to people that knew the actual characters that the movie's about in real life. And it it goes back and forth between the two, which is a really interesting way to do uh, a movie based on a true story. It's a favorable impression of the film? I think so. It gives Jack Black also an example to... The mustache on him, I think, help, help sells him in the role because he doesn't look quite as much as, like, Jack Black. And uh, since the character is involved with community theater a lot and uh, works at a funeral home, he gets plenty of opportunities to sing, whether it's a gospel hymn or a song from The Music Man. So, it's... Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a very quirky, enjoyable movie. I think it's a bit too long uh matthew mcconaughey is also in it and is pretty good so i would recommend uh, bernie uh what Very is something cool. uh, you've been watching thrasher well actually uh i've been uh i've been watching the uh the british tv series Agatha christie's poirot about the you know about the the, the belgian detective that i'm uh, i just reached the end of the first se- uh, first series that is a great show. Those are some fantastic detective stories, and I love I love the way they evoke the period setting. Uh, you get some marvelous performances out of the actors, and j- again, just really nice mysteries. Now, were these like made for PBS? No, no the, these were made uh, these were made uh, originally by uh, LWT, although now uh, ITB is doing that. Those are those are the the non BBC two non BBC stations uh, in Great Britain. They're the the uh, the uh, uh, privatized stations, and although they have been showed on American PBS stations, uh, it gets picked up sometimes as part of Masterpiece Theater, sometimes it's its own thing. So there's a decent chance you can see it. Although I believe the entire series right now is on Netflix, they're really cool. I, I just I they're the kind of thing they're the they're the kind of thing that I just I really get into. I've I've recently. I've recently been getting more into into mystery stories, and I'm, just, I'm happy to have the series available to me. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Netflix Watch Instantly, Thrasher, because I do want to point out, if you're a listener to the sequel cast, and you are if you're listening... Ooh, are you going to tell me about Hulu Plus? I was not going to tell you about Hulu Plus. Why Hulu Plus? Uh, I, I okay. don't know. I just figured what's what's the one streaming service that uh, I know absolutely no one who uses. Uh, there, it's Hulu Plus. Uh, I was just going to say with Netflix, watch instantly if you're uh, listening to the sequel cast and you want to watch along with us watching these uh, Viewisk Universe movies. They have um, three of these uh, Viewisk Universe movies on Netflix, watch instantly that you can watch. Uh, you know, as of um, September 2012, on there. They have Clerks, they have Chasing Amy, and they have Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So, and, and just to give you a, a sneak peek of what I mean when I say View Universe, I'm talking about movies that Kevin Smith directed and wrote uh, featuring the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back's characters. Uh, those being Clerks, which we talked about this show. And coming up, we got Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and Clerks 2. So... That's what we'll be talking about coming up on the sequel cast. Well, uh, we have 
Are we going to discuss the Clerks animated series? We can talk about it on the Clerks two episode. Okay. Um, I don't think I don't think you could really have a spinoff stuff just on that six episode series. Um, it's a pretty densely packed series. It is. Though. It well, is. I guess we'll see how the conversation. Right. Evolves. We'll have to see what happens when we get to that point. Um, I think we have time for one more. What you're watching, if you don't mind. Really? Okay. Have something special to share. I, I do. I had a chance to uh, watch a movie that I was surprised by. And it was also a time I had walked into a movie without that was a sequel without seeing all of the original. And oh. I'm talking about The Expendables 2. Huh. Which is an action film starring, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Jason Statham. <coughs> it's everyone who's ever appeared in an action movie except for Jesse the Body Ventura and Christopher Lambert. Yeah, Lambert would be great for Expendables. That's a great idea. Uh, this says Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is fun to see. But, uh, you know, I think part of the, the... And I have seen the Expendables 1 since watching Expendables 2. And the, the sequel just has a real simple plot. It doesn't try to complicate things and has a lot more action. Gets to it much quicker. And, um, I mean, neither neither Expendables 2 or the original Expendables are trying to be great movies. But the second one, I just thought was a real fun time at the movies with crazy explosions, a lot of really corny jokes. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in particular, is really bad. I think all of his lines are a variation on I'll be back. He's like, oh. I'll be back. No, wait, I'm back. Hey, I thought you said you were going to be back. Oh, I'm terminated? No, no. It's... <laughs> I've been cast in the movie about a famous uh, German composer, so I'll be back. That, that would have fit in there, yeah. It's about that bad. So, um, But I enjoy The Expendables 2 for what it is. I think it, it has a lot more fun to it than the first film. And um, I, I had fun watching that with some friends recently. What's uh, something else you've been watching? Actually, Sarah and I saw Paranorman this past week. Oh, the stop-motion animated uh, thing. Yeah, I that movie gets my hearty endorsement. It's like, it's... It, it has a little bit of everything, but it works. Uh, it's an amazing level of craft went into the characters and the animation and the sets. It's got a really, it's got a really nice story. Uh, emotionally, it is a little bit all over the place, but I honestly don't think that's a, that's too much of a, of a flaw. I've seen the previews for it, and what this is animated by the same people that animated Coraline, but it's not the same director. Um, I it's it's. I I actually uh, off the top of my head I don't know. I didn't know I didn't know I'd be talking about this. I thought I'd be talking about Poirot, but uh, but it's 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 a lot of the it's a lot of the same people. Yep. Uh, no, yeah, because Coraline was directed by uh, Henry Selick, and then Paranorman was directed by Sam Fell and Chris Butler. But uh, it's animated yeah. by Leica, which uh, is a stop motion animation company. Owned by Nike co-founder and chairman Phil Knight, and it's uh, located in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon. So, um, yeah, no, Paranorman looked well, no, pretty I'm... good from the trailer. They did all sorts of commercials tying into the Olympics, I recall. Yeah, well, I gotta, I, I gotta say this: uh, the the trailers and the ads do not give away what this movie is about. I was pleasantly surprised. The trailers just showed a lot of the slapstick, I think. Yeah, it's it's got a it's got a nice mix of comedy, horror, emotion, but the the actual core of the it was kind of like like Brave. None of the tra- none of the trailers or ads give away the core of the story, and I really appreciate that. Hmm. Pretty neat. I'll have to check that out uh, at some point. Yeah, I'd say ch- ch- check it out in the theaters while it's still here. Okay. It's the 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 level of detail and craft in every single frame of the animation. It is worth seeing on the big screen. Now, does it do the thing that cartoons do sometimes, where um, just because uh, an actor, like say John Goodman, is doing the voice in a cartoon, the character that he plays in the cartoon looks a bit like him? Nope. Nope. None, none of that. that. Okay. Interesting. Pretty cool. All right, I will check that out. Um, so next time on the sequel cast, we'll be taking a look at the next film in the View Universe series, 
And why are we doing View Esque Universe Kevin Smith films? That's because that's what was voted by you, the listener. Um, so you have no one to blame but yourself. Right. No one to blame but yourself. So uh, next week is uh, Mallrats. We'll be covering that. And uh, you can check us out, of course, on SequelCast.com or go to Facebook.com slash SequelCast. And you can follow me at, at SequelCast. And you can follow Thrasher at Internet Mayor. Wait, no, that's not right, is it? Mm-hmm. No, it is. I'm Internet Mayor. Okay, Internet Twitter. Mayor. It's embarrassing. I thought I got that wrong. Try to drum up support for Tigwigs. What is uh, Tigwigs? Oh, well, uh, comedian Tig Nataro was recently diagnosed with breast oh, cancer. Okay. And she does her own podcast, Professor Blastoff, which I hardly endorse that show. It's fantastic. And not just because they read uh, one of my tweets on the episode about cheating. But um, her co-hosts uh, had said if she goes through chemotherapy and loses her hair, they will shave their head. And one of the things Tig talks about in her stand-up was this bad haircut she had as a little girl called the Tigwig. And they had said, well, we should make Tigwigs. They, they, they'd said on the podcast, if anybody knows anybody who makes wigs, we would like to make Tigwigs that we can sell them to raise money for cancer research. And it just so happens I do have a very good friend, uh, Emily Marie Harris, who works for Arda Wigs, a company that specializes in making wigs for cosplayers. And I am currently, uh, I'm, the, the short of it is I'm trying to put them all together. I'm waiting for uh, uh, Emily to get back to me about what the head of the company thinks. But I'm trying to do everything I can to make Tig Wigs a reality. Uh, cancer has touched my family. It is something mm. that I, I feel very strongly right. about. And uh, I want to do what I can to, kind of, to try to facilitate this kind of thing. Pretty neat. No, I, I saw Tig Notoro when she did stand-up in Portland, Oregon a few years ago. Very and, uh, nice. It was pretty funny. Uh, and you can also see Tig Notaro on the Sarah Silverman show. She had a big part in that. Oh, yeah, Officer, Officer Tig. Tig, right. Okay, so uh, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And Thrasher. Saying, Do you have a happy, scrappy hero pup? No. <laughs> That's not... No, no, you're supposed to say the most horrific uh, pornography titles. Come blasting cumballs, uh... Anal splatter sluts. Jay and Silent Bob suck back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where? Yeah, where's the porno version of these movies? Where's the sex clerks? There. That's a good. It's all black and white, and it's just the sex scenes. Oh God. With no, it's, it's all black and white. It's just the sex scene of uh, in the bathroom. Ron Jeremy can be Dante. It's just the one sex scene in the bathroom with the corpse for ninety minutes. It's barely lit, and you just hear a woman screaming for an hour and a half. It's artistic. It's artistic, fellas. Okay. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, check, out, check out our stuff at SequelCast.com. Bye.